Since the beginning of time, people have always found creative ways of communicating. This is my way. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and we need to talk. Welcome back from a very, very long summer. I'm here with the one and only first and foremost guest of this show, Sarah Cooper. Are you here? Are you really here? So Uh, let me just explain like that. Been here five hours, man. It's been two. (laughs) It's been two hours since we were actually two and a half hours since we tried to start recording this podcast because I'm going to give you a 30 second rundown of what has been going on. I recorded my last episode on my birthday, which was April. 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 Uh, I got sick that week and fell off the wagon and a lot of things happened because <laughs> this has been a cool. so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> this whole life fell off the wagon this summer. And what a fitting way to stop for a moment for a brief pause in my life and this podcast when I was sick to only start back again when I'm sick. Um, and then sick of your ye- shit. Sorry. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that could not be more true because you and I have started a new experiment this summer to yeah. record remotely. How many times have we recorded? So, okay, so I'll just go ahead and say <laughs> it. I'm not very adept at doing technology. And I got this, I've, I've signed up with this new platform so that I can do remote podcasting and I have to start with you because you're my guinea pig and thank God I did because you and I recorded three episodes that never saw the light of day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because this has nothing to do with MacBook Pro. Well, it yeah. might have a little bit to do with MacBook Pro, but my iCloud was full. My computer was full, so I couldn't record anything and so I had to get an external hard drive. So what I had to do is I used to have to save a project on the external hard drive, then go back in and edit it by recording it to the external hard drive. But then my computer stopped recognizing my external hard drive, and I don't know what that means. So I went to the <laughs> Apple store and used the genius to get me where I'm going, and I'm almost there. Actually, I think I'm there. I think I am. Okay, but then so, what happened two hours ago? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, I use a blue Yeti. And, and no, before I, that, Mr. <laughs> Technology Advance, how long have you put off updating your hard drive oh, on your that, computer? Yeah, uh, my computer, like two hours. I was having trouble with my microphone being recognized by the computer. So I was like, oh, I just need to go into preferences and niggle daggle around with it. <laughs> and... My computer was like, you need to update it. And I was like, oh, that's probably why. Because every time you you don't have the exact latest version of Skype, you can't use it. So I was like, that must be what it is. I'll update my computer real quick. Two hours Two later. and a half hours later, we're here. And we're recording. We're here. We're talking. Here we are. God, if this doesn't make it on air, I'm going to kill you. 
Well, in all actuality, this is the second attempt today to record because somehow the audio went out just 10 <laughs> seconds ago. And we were like, I'll just send you a new link. I don't know what to do. Yeah. But, you know, you try. You try to do things. You keep on putting forth the effort, and then eventually things will come together. Or they won't, and you'll just die trying. I don't know. Is that what the I'm a little frustrated with you? it. <laughs> in the midst of the download for two and a half hours, I picked up the secret and tried to read a little bit of the, the positive vibes. Read the thing in the time it took to update your computer. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're here. Summer's over. No, we're not. in the middle of fall. The state of Alabama it, is melting. But the, don't worry, there's a well, blizzard it, in Montana, so it'll even itself out. If you check the calendar, we are not in summer. I can't. I can't. I can't be held responsible for the world's disacknowledgement of climate change, but climate activity. <laughs> um, so it's been kind of a crazy summer. Let's just uh, do a little bit of a recap. Um, I, uh, I, um, yeah, I was fired this summer, so that sucks. <laughs> That's such a great way to start it off. I got fired today. Well, I did. I didn't mean to, but you know, it's it almost who gets fired intentionally. Well, actually, that would be a lot of fun to just try to get fired from a job, like just see what you could get away I, with. Honest to God, with this particular job, with these particular bosses, if I had been trying to get fired, I would have probably still had my job. But because I was one of the best workers and I had systematic circumstances beyond my control. I wound up getting fired. But anyway, I've never been fired in all of my 32 years. Until now, I've never been fired. Do you remember what you told when you told me that what I said? What? <laughs> I said, "Oh, you haven't?" Oh <laughs> like yeah. You were dumbfounded that I'd never been fired. I'm actually a very good worker. I know you so well. <laughs> But I, I'm actually a very good I worker. Know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and when I run into people from that old job, and I was like, they're like, well, where have you been? I'm like, I was fired. And they're like, what? You were such a good worker. And I'm like, well, tell it to the judge because they fired me. But you also Only switched jobs on your own accord. I did. I did. Like, yes, I planned it. <laughs> <laughs> it. Took me two years, but I finally escaped I'm very happy where I'm at I'm now. so glad that you're having a better job because and my, now you have more free time. My mama even notices. What? My mom even said over my mama, even over the weekend, she said to me, you just seem a lot happier. And I'm like, thank you. I only had to get the albatross from around my neck, but well, I am. Realtalk.com, you do see Like the second you took this new job, you seemed happier because there's an epidemic going around this world, I'm assuming, because it's happening to all of my friends. And I, find, I feel it happening, trying to happen to me too, is that the negativity is coming for us and everybody's just like so negative um, to the point where I was watching TV and I, I don't know if she'll hear this, and I hope she won't be mad that I'm calling her out. I'm not going to name names, but I will call out who said it or call out what they said. We were watching the talk the other day for morning coffee because they were staying at my house overnight. <laughs> Dr. Mm. Phil was on the uh, the talk. We were just having coffee, and she goes, my God, Dr. Phil looks like shit. And I was like, <laughs> that was so harsh. <laughs> Like, he's just old. Well, at least she didn't say it to his face. Um, 
Right. But, you know, it's just like, everybody's like going to a 10 right now. Everybody's like at a 10 and it's, I don't know. It's because this country is a dumpster fire and I'm not going to talk about it on this episode because this is actually a happy episode, but we, I have to get through some of the housekeeping of welcome back. But yeah, this country's a dumpster fire. I mean, we're in the midst of Mm -hmm. uh, possibly impeaching the president. So, Hey, what are you going to do? Um, so I just think there's a lot of negativity. Uh, but that being said, all the negativity you and I are going to do today, what we do best to cope with the negativity of the world. Oh, Be- anyway. Because I will say this too, <laughs> everybody who knows me, and this is kind of like one of those like revealing the host type situations where I'm, I'm going to tell you a little more about me on my pod. I mean, on my podcast, on my resume, I have it listed that I'm a Lucille Ball expert because I have, I really do. I mean, I'm in, I'm in show business. So, you know, you got to let them know what your strengths are. Um, so I have it listed that I'm a, a Lucille Ball expert, which you know, and everybody knows that that's pretty much true, but it's not just Lucille Ball. I take on a lot of obsessions pretty easily. I and like I'm going to be victimized. In the midst of what, this. what did you say? <laughs> Like I'm about to be victimized. You're not about to be victimized. Out, You're about to be celebrated. I never sent out my tweet. I never sent out my tweet because you distracted me for two hours with your damn computer. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not to talk myself. But um, everybody always kind of was like, oh, Kyle gets obsessed with things. It's a thing. Don't worry about it. Uh, about a few weeks ago, you sorry. revealed to me that you found a new oh, obsession. Mm. No, it just went from an admiration to obsession. That's funny. That's it's important. Well, you know, things happen and you mature. <laughs> and you get your priorities straight. <laughs> you get your you figure your shit out, you get your priorities straight, and then suddenly your um Pinterest feed is filled with one person's face and you just accept it for what it is. Um <laughs> So okay. Um I thought So do you want to just go ahead and tell everybody who your obsession is now? I think it'd be more fun if I spoke in vague terms and then they tried to tweet you and figure it out. <laughs> I don't think that'll work because I have so many questions. Like, no one listens. Huh? Oh, I think I hope you don't hear that when you edit this. <laughs> um, so I thought it would be fun for us to share our obsessions today. You want to be vague about it, to but I have very them. specific questions, so I don't think that's going to work. To share them. Shh. You want to share, share those share. obsessions? So should I go first? I need to send out my sure, but I need to send out this tweet. So, so maybe oh, by the time that it's was my another turn. thing. You had told me you had some kind of weirdo tweet. What are you doing? <laughs> so I never thought I was going to be one of these people. You're one of those people, and I admire your strength. Um, where you tweet celebrities, <laughs> I have very interesting <laughs> conversations with many celebrities. I had a I had a conversation the other day with Katie Couric, just because I was tweeting at her. That's a vague definition of celebrity, but okay. Um, <laughs> I'm never going to be a journalist. She'll never interview me. It'll be fine. Um, so. This is what I was going to tell you. So I was talking to my mama over the weekend, as we mm-hmm. do, you know, because my dad and I go to concerts. That's our thing. Mm-hmm. And what it is is my mom buys the tickets, so my dad doesn't know how expensive it is. But every now and then he'll even say that's too much. You know, half of their band members aren't even original. We're not paying that much to see uh-huh. them. <clears throat> Kansas, um, who's coming to Huntsville. I don't so, even know Kansas. I, carry on my wayward son. Oh, okay. Gotcha. There you go. Um, 
And so I was just in vague terms talking about my new favorite person or my person that went from admiration to adoration to obsession. <laughs> um, if you can't figure out the hint, it's Cher, um, which I am unashamed of. And Nor I told mom be. she's on t- I told mom she's on tour and that I had started watching that you can find the Sonny and Cher show on YouTube. So that's kind of how it all started. I don't know why. Like episode came- by episode? Yeah. And like specials and or just little intro bits. And I started watching that. Then I was like, oh, my God. You know, so it kind of happened. I My parents bought me her CD like when I was like one of her greatest hits or best of CDs like when I was mm-hmm. seven, uh, 14. Like, my parents made sure I grew yeah. up right and listened to good music. Well, um, the best of Cher is that that particular CD, we have it too. It is one of the best, best of <laughs> so- albums ever because there's so many iterations of Cher. It's not the best of. It's the, um, it's the Turn Back Time Greatest Hits that one of the – that has – that's what it's called. It's got – I don't know. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I was telling mom she goes on tour. My mom's like, oh, I'll go see Cher. Well, my mom and I, because I told you she may have to leave early from our California trip based on this project at work, which mm-hmm. is getting, is like due at the end of the year. And so my mom's like, well, I'll go see Sharon to her. I said, okay. So I got on her website because right now she's in Europe because I need to know these things. Um, but she is coming back to the States and ending in Las Vegas. And the closest she's coming to North Alabama is New Orleans. On a, Friday, on a Friday night. And I'm like, there's no fucking way we can drive from Huntsville to New Orleans on a Friday night. So my mom's like, oh, that's a shame. Why isn't she coming to like Nashville or Birmingham or something? So my <laughs> tweet is my mom wants to know why you aren't coming closer to Huntsville. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably going to be like, because Alabama has the highest per capita except, Donald Trump except, supporters. Except, Except in the 60s, she recorded an album in Muscle Shoals. Thank you. Hello. I get that. So I'm tweeting it, and I'm just saying my mom and I can't take off work to drive to New Orleans. And so I'm like, hey. (laughs) I mean, odds are she's not going to see it. It's just more of, like, that self-aware thing. Because, like, if you ever go to a celebrity's feed or, like, people's response to their Twitters, it's kind of cringy for me. Because I don't know how to express emotions anyway. Um, (laughs) I'm a writer who is also, like, emotionally stunted. Um, So it's just one of those awkward things. I'm like, if I make it funny and make it like my mom loves you and wants to know why you're not coming closer to us, I won't feel as cringy. (laughs) Except I'm, like, totally disappointed. And I was like, I wonder feasibly how long it would take me to drive to New Orleans and get a hotel and um, pay for a ticket and come back the next day. <laughs> well, it, that's so funny because you and I, that does show how different you and I are because so I'm a big fan of two particular YouTubers turned oh. podcasters. Not going to name their names. Oh. Huh? No one. Okay. Well, Oh yeah. I'll name their names. Cause it doesn't matter. Cause I tweeted at them. Uh, Mamrie Hart and Grace Helbig. I have no idea who they are. Um, well, they're two YouTubers. Mamrie Hart is You Deserve a Drink. I am super huge fans of them. But on their podcast, they said something that I found problematic towards gays. Oh, well, and I hope you called them out. I did. I was like, well, gays are not here for your entertainment. So I have a lot of people that <laughs> even didn't agree with me. What did you say? I have a lot of people that applies to. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's like 
they they were, you know, I don't know. They were, I just, I have this thing where I'm like, I don't go to gay bars with straight people because this is a safe space and not a place for your entertainment. No, right. No, That's I, where I'm at in my life now. And there's a lot of people who would disagree with me and I don't need anyone to agree with me. But the way that they were speaking, I felt it was disrespectful mm-hmm. because they were like, because she actually said they knew you were coming. So they were there to entertain you. And I was like, no, mm, no, babe. That's so crazy. They weren't. That's so cringy. And yeah, so I, I don't want to get like too deep into that, but I'm a huge fan of them. And it's like, well, I hope they love me if we ever meet or work together in the future. But that was problematic for me. I don't like it. Um, so yeah, I'll call people I like out like right okay. there. I, don't say that. Well, I guess my, I don't mind. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, you're stupid for tweeting. Hey, Barack Obama, give me a shout out. It's my birthday or something. Like, I don't. Like it doesn't it doesn't affect me, so it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I worry about with my anxiety. I have a f- like it already feels like there's a lot of judgment coming at me anyway. Like just in life, mm-hmm. that's how my anxiety manifests itself. So that's kind of like it's a self preservation thing. Like I feel really stupid because like I obsess about Jenna Marbles. I think she's hysterical on YouTube, and people send her stuff on like. Twitter, Facebook all the time. Hey, you should do this. Hey, you should do this. Do this. Do that. And I'm like, I'll see stuff. I'm like, oh, it'd be really funny if she did that. But I feel weird saying it. Like, Yeah, because it all has to be organically what she wants to do. Although she does do a lot of requests, too, which I think is really funny. Um, like she'll be like, and, and I think that's okay to, to try requests. Yeah. You, she'll be like, y'all keep wanting me to do this or that. So I'm going to do it. And I'm like, so you see that stuff and you respond. I just feel stupid, like asking for it. Like, right. Well, that being said, you have a newfound obsession with share and I hope you sent the tweet I because I think it's perfectly ago. appropriate. Two minutes ago. You haven't sent it no, yet. Two minutes ago. She hasn't responded. Oh, good. What's good. the deal? <laughs> well, she's, she's more of a troll than, than a friendly person on Twitter. Then you don't pay attention to her response to people who tweet her like this. Okay. I can't do this without sounding creepy as fuck, but I'm going to say it. So, <laughs> Because I pay attention, and a lot of her fans on Instagram will share photos from her concerts, she recently put put out new, like, people, like, it's a thing. If you get into, like, the share world of Instagram, it's a, not, mm-hmm. you know, it's a thing. Um, and she had a debut new outfits for the European leg of her tour. People were really excited. Except the first night she wore the outfit for um, just like Jesse James or something or Walking in Memphis. Mm, that's a good one. I love I love the outfit she wears for that song. The wig song. was bad. And her fans fucking mm. called her out on the wig. And she like literally responded some effect of, like, you win some, you lose some. And the next night she had a different wig on. Like, I mean, you know, it's just kind of. Oh, so she responded. Yeah, she, like, she's no, like, I, oh, give me a better like, wig. Oh, no, I know it did not work. Like, that was what was funny. <laughs> it was She's like, I'm aware yeah. it did not work. Thank you, guys. Um don't spare my feelings in this moment. Um, um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing about obsessions. They're all in adoration, but they're, they can get creepy yeah. <laughs> because like there's, I used to, the, the job I got fired for was universal studios. I was working there as a production assistant in the park for shows or whatever. Um, and when, when I had a friend who was like, 
I think I should audition for Lucy because Lucy's one of the characters walking around. I was like, you'd never make it for Lucy. And they said, why? And I said, because you're not the right height. And they said, what do you mean? I'm like five, five. And I'm like, well, she was five foot six and a half. And they want you to be very specific. And they're like, how the hell did you know she was five, five foot six and a half? And I was like, because I know everything. (laughs) I'm an expert. I think you called me out on something like that the other day too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, it was about it was what? height. I said something about you knowing how tall Lucy was, and you went, "How tall Sharon?" I'm like five nine because I'm the same height. Damn it! Oh no 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 no! You were like you were like that's creepy that you know how tall she was, and I was like, "What's Cher's shoe no, it was size?" And you're like, it wasn't shoe size because we're the same height. Was it oh, height? I, don't know. I thought shoe it was size. shoe size. I wish I wore the same but size shoes way. as she would. That'd be fun. I would love to have a friend in life who I could share shoes with. I have massive feet. So if I could find one, I'm going to be like, I don't care who you are. We're now best friends because we have to share shoes. (laughs) We have to double our inventory. Um, So that being said, Cher, what I know, I I mean, I know Cher. I know Cher as a normal human being. You know Cher on an intimate level now. So I'm going to ask you some questions. She has called me lately so i don't know if it's <laughs> well you're coming into town next week so we will find her no she's, she's in europe eat. on tour she's oh. in europe on tour we need to go to germany like <laughs> just change our flights we're going to germany now <laughs> meet you at lax or i'll meet you at ny what is it you used to live there. You should know the airport. I know. I was about to say, and now that just sounds stupid. I'm going to meet you at NYU. I'm going to meet you at the, at Kennedy or wherever. LaGuardia. LaGuardia. No. We'll go to LaGuardia. We'll go to Newark. Um, but <laughs> anyway, so there's so many iterations of share. There's the Sunny uh-huh. and Share Share. There is the post Sunny and Share Share. Mm-hmm. 70s, 80s, 90s, where she started the, uh-huh. um, I guess that's where she started late 90s when she started the dance club mixes. Well, she did disco in the 70s. Well, that's true, too. There was disco share. Um, So which is your favorite? And why? (laughs) And why? Um, Probably, music-wise, the 80s. That's just, that's where I live. um, I found someone, Turn Back Time. Turn Back Um, Time, I found someone. um, We All Sleep Alone. Um, the 80s version of Bang Bang. What about Save Up All Your Tears? Yes, but that's 90s. Oh, is it? Because she does some psycho modulations in that sh- in that that song. Pretty sure she 90s. jumps octaves quite yeah. a bit. Um, and I try to sing that song in my car, and I can never hit the notes. Was it a share CD that when I got in your car the first time and you flipped your shit and got embarrassed? Yes, because I was still was it part, No, it was share. It was partly when I was still partly closeted And I'd forgotten One foot out Yeah, one <laughs> foot out I'd forgotten that I was listening well, to share. It was the share Believe album Oh, obviously <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less I love that one That is so good um, You do realize that was literally 10 years ago Because that photo just came up I on know, Facebook I was, that was 10 years ago I just wore those I wore those shoes that were in that photo Because you and I, we were in creative writing together And we had gone to Zoe's Closet or something Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called Zoe's Zoe's Something um, to go thrifting it, or it was a consignment shop. It was not a thrift shop. It's a consignment shop. Everything is in good condition and expensive as hell. Um, Except those shoes. The shoes were $70. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but they weren't vintage. They were not vintage. They no, were. they were not. And they broke. They broke in New York. But then I bought them, brought them here, and I needed a costume um, for a, a Halloween thing last year. And I had bought polyester bell bottoms and a polyester shirt and those <laughs> platform silver shoes. And the shoes mm-hmm. are broken, and I wore them to a to a um, I don't know a, a warehouse party or something. I don't remember, but yeah, I was walking down the street in Koreatown with broken shoes. Classy. It was, you know, <laughs> I've, I've I've walked a lot of really trashy blocks in those shoes, and I'm sad they're broken a little bit, but it's fine. Time to get new ones. So, anyway, okay. back to share. Uh-huh. I need you to go deep. Tell me where the obsession lies. Tell me okay. why. Um, <laughs> I've discovered, and I'm sure if you sat around and thought about my favorite celebrities, quote unquote, or favorite people, I always have the same mm-hmm. variation, which is they just are unapologetically themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of it because I still, and I wish I was going to find it because I don't know the exact quote. But a few years ago, and I still have it, my mom gave me a card for my birthday that said something to the effect of, I love you um, with all, including all your colors or something. And my mom wrote on the side, we love our colorful daughter. And it was basically saying any iteration, variety, you know, of who you are, all the aspects, you know, you're calling you colorful in a very, I don't know. I could, the card's more eloquent. I don't know where it is at the moment, Um, (laughs) but I just kind of held on to that mentality and it's just share, you know, Helena Bonham Carter was one of my first favorite celebrities ever. Tim Burton. I've always admired people who are just unapologetically themselves. Like don't Mm -hmm. do things to please other people. It has to make them happy. And so I think that's a lot of it. And just being an outright, no fucks given feminist. And I mean, cause what she's admired for a lot is being the defining female autonomy in an industry that is very masculine and male driven and male owned. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I'm still here. I'm still kicking it. Uh, you know, well, and if you think about it, women like her and women like Dolly mm-hmm. Parton and, you know, women who have trans and even Madonna, I'll say it begrudgingly, mm-hmm. um, who have lasted through the ages and redefined their career time mm-hmm. and time again. They're always women who didn't play by the rules. Yeah. Well, and then the quote I found the other day that I appreciate cause on her tour now, cause I've watched people who videotaped it, um, at the beginning, she kind of says, you know, I am 73. I'm still out here. I don't know if you applaud because I'm still alive or because I can still wear my costumes. But what's your <laughs> granny doing tonight? You know, <laughs> like it's just very <laughs> And then because she even I found this on the computer the other day and I saved it because I just to remind myself of this. Um, she said, we're held to different standards than a man. A man came up to me and said, don't you think you're too old to be running around like that singing rock and roll? And she said, I don't know. Why don't you ask Mick Jagger? who's the lead singer of the Rolling Stones. And it's just trying to save that mindset and to remind yourself Mm -hmm. that you're not on anybody else's timeline and do what the hell you want to do and fuck the rest of them. Hi, mom. Excuse my French. Um, I swear. (laughs) 
Well, this is this is an adult podcast for adult people talking about adult things. Well, not always talking about adult things, but talking about them in an adult way. So welcome to the 21st century. I was going to say something very colorful, but then I decided you probably don't want me to say that. I'll tell you later. What were you going to say? Is um, it offensive? Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, geez. So I'm not going to say no. that. So hopefully one day you can get. We can, uh, have a, we can have a teaching moment. You can be offensive on my podcast and then I can no, I reprimand want, you. I, if you need. I want you to get a sponsor one day and to, and have ads and make money and endorsement deals. So I'm not gonna say <laughs> well, I have big dreams for if, you and hoping that it benefits me at the same time. So <laughs> true. Listen, I will, I have big coattails and I'll take you with me. Um, but do you find that you are inspired by Cher to act that way more in your own life or do you live vicariously through her? Um, well, she's got a few years on me. So, and a, f- a few more talents than I have. So <laughs> I can't exactly. Um, but I think it's just an admiration thing. Like it's, looking and seeing people who are like, I, this is me. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it because I, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that annoys me about Madonna is that she does not seem to enjoy what she does. Like if, I don't know, she just seems like she's so self-involved into this, you know, my, I'm now suddenly from Detroit, but I'm going to speak in a British accent type person. Um, and doesn't seem to like what she does. Like if you see right. videos of people like, like I get the same vibe from Lady Gaga. She is like, I'm ready to jam. I am happy to be doing what I'm doing. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, my art pop may not be very good. Jury's still out, but <laughs> I enjoy what I'm doing, and I'm going to keep experimenting and doing it. And I think that's why people like the people that stick around a lot. Even like Elton John, you know, mm-hmm. other people. Well do it because they love it, not because they feel like they have to, or they Well, And I will say about Madonna that, um, and weirdos, I say the weird, the word weirdo endearingly because I've, I put you and I in that category too, but the weirdos of the world of a certain age acknowledge Madonna was the soundtrack of their generation. And it, so it's weird to have somebody who holds a specific place in history but they're not reinventing themselves but they're also trying to hang on to what they were and sort of you know the door has closed a bit on Madonna but somehow the door has never closed on Cher she's always been relevant she kicks it back in every time every time something well that's the thing like she was doing um save up all my save up all your tears in the 90s and then at the end of that decade she came through with dance mixes that were that was like it transcended and changed the changed the game for dance mixes the share and the believe album um I will also say this about Madonna, and I do put, and Dolly Parton did this too once, and so I don't appreciate it. I can't stand people who reference themselves in their own music. So when you put out a song mm. called Bitch, Miley I'm, does it a lot. Do you God, notice that? God, yes. I don't like her either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but when Madonna put out a song, and it literally is called Bitch, I'm Madonna, and no offense to Madonna, um, Britney said, it's Britney bitch before her. So it's like, you didn't even do anything fucking new. Like someone's <laughs> it's not even new. It's just annoying. And also already been done. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, um, 
It's like a try-hard thing, and I think that's what annoys me about her and Miley Cyrus. Like, Miley Cyrus is now trying to pretend that the the Bangers album didn't even happen, and I'm like, you cannot go back to being a Malibu hippie so quickly. We all I don't get why you would want to do that, though, because I have firmly said that if if Miley hadn't been acting so erratically at the time of the Bangers album, I think it would have possibly been a contender for album of the year, because it was phenomenal. I don't care what you say. Wrecking Ball was a damn good song. I, um, maybe you're right. Was even and, better, and it didn't even get become a single, and it was fan freaking tastic. And I found it on accident. What was? Uh, maybe you're right. It's a fantastic. Oh, I'll have to go back and listen to that because also, what was it called? We won't stop or we can't stop. Yeah, we can't stop. I didn't like that one. It's annoying. I, I actually really like that one because it. Um, I don't know. I guess the reason I liked it was because it was one of the. Um, it was a it was an, a song of inspiration after the election for Hillary Clinton herself. She said, "You can't stop and you won't stop," mm-hmm. and she referenced Miley Cyrus. Oh. And I was like, "Yes, bitch, do this." <laughs> so again, obsessions. Um, but yeah, so uh, do you? How much respect do you have for Cher, the actress? I love it. I oh my god. Okay, so here. My problem is, is that none of my streaming services have any of her movies. So I've had to resort to YouTube and no one, please take them off YouTube. I'm very happy with them there. Um, (laughs) So um, I think like one of them (laughs) that came out in the 90s and it's, I mean, admittedly, it's not a masterpiece. It's not, it wasn't a successful movie. It was called Faithful. Um, and I think I never even heard of it. Well, there's probably a reason. Um, <laughs> it's it's one of the, and I think the reason I appreciate it is because I did take playwriting courses, and it's based on a play. And it's mm-hmm. I've learned this very early on why I was more successful at playwriting than uh, film right screenwriting, and it's because playwriting is much more dialogue heavy. Where screenwriting is much more action heavy, and my writing has always been dialogue heavy. It has never been about action. Um, Have you started watching Designing Women yet? No. Just because I've always said that every episode of Designing Women is like a play for 30 minutes. Anyway, continue. So it was written, and I'm probably going to screw up his name. It was written by Chas Palminteri. He um, he wrote a play, and it's the movie is based on the play. He also wrote. Um, I'm trying to find one that you would immediately know because um, he got a lot of credit for it. Um, where is it? A Bronx Tale was a one was oh, his yeah, biggest. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that okay. one. One of the biggest ones. Um, and it's it's on. I found it on YouTube because I was very curious because it's. I mean, even Cher herself admitted it was not a success. Really? It came out in 96, but I appreciate it because one, it's hysterical. Um, and two, I can see as a, if it was on stage, how it would have been phenomenal. And mm, so yeah. aspect, I just enjoy it. I think it's funny. Um, and it's not, I mean, I'm sorry if y'all heard that my Facebook messenger just lit up. No, nope, didn't hear anything. <laughs> uh, well, now I've made it awkward. <laughs> you sure did. Um, yeah, really I remember. So. I remember loving a movie of shares called Tea with Mussolini. 
I've seen pieces of that because, again, nothing is on the streaming services. And even though Alex tells me, you know that they have movies in libraries, right? That requires me to go outside. and That's enter. how I saw Tea with Mussolini. I checked out the DVD at the library. That requires me to, one, update my library card and go outside and interact with people. Um, and usually, You're an introvert. You don't do that. Well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and usually it's also like 3 a.m. when it occurs to me, hey, I should find this movie and watch it. I've seen scenes from it. Um and it's beautiful. And I mean, Windstruck is obviously the end. Well, of- Windstruck is golden. It's just, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's genius in a place that I can't even describe. Like, I don't know why it's just, and again, it's not, I mean, it's not Shakespeare, but it was just, I could see how in the eighties at the right time, like it's just one of those things where everything aligns perfectly. No. Right. And because those fantastic. scenes with Cher and Olympia Dukakis. Oh my God. Oh my God. The ending when she comes home and her, she's like, are you drunk? She goes, no. Are you drunk? She goes, no, but I have a hangover. I'm just like, <laughs> just, she's I, like yeah, that's perfect. a level of charm to it that you just cannot get rid of. I've seen, this is, <laughs> This is, you'll, you know my mother, so you'll appreciate this. My mom, I had to have been in middle school. We used to, in this, this isn't even a thing anymore, and it's kind of depressing. Friday nights, we used to go to the movie gallery, not Blockbuster, movie gallery. Mm-hmm. I remember. And get movies. Like, that's just what we did, my family. Um, and I remember her mom wanting to get getting witches of Eastwick and saying, I need to see this. It's a really good movie. I've never seen it. And, I'm, and, and that's a shame. And she even, I still remember her explaining to me who Cher was in the movie because I knew who Susan Sarandon was because my family, I'm from a family of perverts and I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was young. Um, <laughs> that's what started it all. Obviously that's where everything got fucked up in my life. I need to go back to therapy and discuss it. Um <laughs> But I remember her stopping it and I didn't get to finish it because it was the scene where Jack Nicholson's character was trying to seduce Cher's character and he uses a word for lady parts that is not polite. Um, and that's the first time I heard that what word. What word was it? It rhymes with wussy. Oh, <laughs> um, you know you've already said the F word on this podcast. Yeah, you don't have to. I don't like that word. It makes my skin crawl. You don't like the word pussy? I swear to God, I will punch you through this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> what about, like, pussy willow? God, um, you can't see my face, but my face is making it really, is really distorted and cringy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have, I mean, I don't understand because you have two pussy cats. Don't make me murder you, I swear <laughs> to God. I will push you <laughs> off the car in uh, the haunted mansion and you will be eaten by the ghosts. I'll be sucked up into the mechanisms and I'll never be heard yeah. from again. You can finally be with Walt Disney and have your head frozen. Anyway, so my I don't think my mom <laughs> let me finish watching it because it got really vulgar. Um, that being said, it's on the list to try to hunt down because apparently Netflix, I'm, I, that's a whole other problem. Um, but yeah, and again, I did find Come Back to the Five and Dying Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, Oh, that was a mouthful on uh, YouTube because I hunted it down and it happened. Um, And that was, again, that was such a charming, it was based on a play. So I think that's part of my problem is I just like talking stuff because that's what I'm gravitated to naturally. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was really good. And um, some, hold on. 
Well, and Cher's very good at monologues. The thing is, is the accent is like that's set in like Texas, I think. The accent is spot on amazing. Um, oh, you'll know this. Kathy Bates is in it. Um, Sandy Dennis, Karen Black. It's a great cast. Wait, Cher does a southern accent? Yeah, and if you paid attention to what I am dead. I've got to see this movie right now. If you watch Silkwood, she also does a really, really country-ass accent in that one, too. And I know those I never saw Silkwood either. But I I do have the book because it's Nora Robert. Not Nora. Nora It's, oh, my God. Sacrilege Nora Ephron. Because, you know, Nora Ephron is one of my big obsessions, too. If If you've not read the two books of essays by Nora Ephron, you are missing out. It was her debut film, too. Nora Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, but, um, but yeah, it's a good cast and it's really, and it hit me in a place because there's, I don't want to spoil it. Cause I want to make you watch it. Um, I want to watch it now. It just hit, there's a, an aspect of Cher's character at the end that just hit me. That was very familiar, um, with stuff that goes on in my family and that's super vague, but we'll talk about it. I was about to say, that is so cryptic, and now people are going to be like, what's with Sarah's family? <laughs> Nothing. They're very I great. I don't, well, no, I mean, it's, I don't want to give it away because it's such a dynamic part of the show, so I can't say it, but you will know immediately when it happens what I'm talking about. Right. Um, right. And I think I think I already know what it, it might be about, some type of illness, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. it involves that. But, but so it just it hit me emotionally because of that. And I think, I don't know if people considered the film successful or not, because they, they considered it successful for like the um, cinematography aspect and like the acting, mm-hmm. but as a film, again, it's more talking than action. So people didn't like it because, you know, there's not a lot of action to it. But that kind of stuff, again, is what I like, so I always appreciate it. And it's just so charming. And, again, it's like if you're mm-hmm. from the South, that's, I think, one thing that happens. Like, you you know those type of people. Yeah, exactly. It's like, true. I mean, you know the type of people. There are you, tropes of people. Are, if you are from the South and you've seen Sweet Home Alabama, you know those people. Like, you know I was them. just talking about that movie last night with Ethan. He's never saw. He's never seen it, and I was he's like, we're watching it. it. Ethan He's never saw that. It's Ethan exactly where I go to. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, he was like, it's three ninety nine on pay-per-view. And I'm like, well, we're going to get it this week and you're going to watch it because Gene Smart is in it, mm. which my grandfather used to call Gene Smart Kecky Dumb. <laughs> but that's a whole different issue. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, and I, I think that's why people, why Reese Witherspoon's character, she's Southern, so was so relatable and did the role so well because she knew those people too. I mean, well, and that's and that's really interesting because the her character of moving away, going to New York City to make something of herself and having this moment of, I'm not one of those people, and then having another moment of, but I really am, and that's fine. I've had that. Mm-hmm. I've gone through that process because I've lived somewhere else. Yeah. I've never lived somewhere else, and I've thought that at certain family events, I'm like, I'm not affiliated with this. And then I'm like, well, fuck, I kind of am, you know? You cer- you certainly are. This is your family, <laughs> love it or not. Right. Yeah, so I think <laughs> that's, um, again, that's just why I come back to the five and dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. And, I mean, 
there are things that ha- like that obviously dates it, and you're like, wow, we have grown as a society since then. But at the same time, we haven't. So it's kind of I don't know. Oh yeah, that kind of stuff. Someone other than Cher responded to my tweet just now and said she did Nashville earlier this year, and I'm like, well, you know, suck it. Why are you coming for me, girl? I said I- the point is I can't drive to freaking New Orleans. That's my point. I can't go take it back now. Can't turn around and go back in time. I want you to. Right. Well, now that I'm aware, I'd like you to come back. Okay. Um, Well, okay. So I'm going to shift gears just a little because we are talking about our two obsessions. So I think it's time to move into mine. But rest assured, we are going to have a revisit of the share obsession because we are we have barely cracked the surface. Of your obsession with Cher, but... Which one are we going to talk about for you? Because you have several as well. Well, I thought my biggest, the one... Ow. Oh, my God. Did you just fall I just shifted in my chair. (laughs) (laughs) I just shifted in my chair, and I got a huge leg cramp. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're so old. I am such an oldie. Oh, Um, but no. We're good. Sorry. What? (laughs) The Masked Singer comes on in an hour. And I'm sorry. <laughs> this, this slice of life right now is everything to me. Um, <laughs> the juxtaposition of my leg cramps and your need to watch the mask singer shows how truly meant for each other we are. <laughs> I've got an hour. We've got plenty of time. It's okay. Um, well, I thought I would start with the original, um, the original obsession. Of Lucille Ball. But that being said, I thought it would be fun to just kind of turn the show over to you for a bit and you lead the discussion on my obsession with Lucy the way that I did with yours with Cher, if you so choose to do. I can surely, um, because I can start with my Lucy knowledge is nowhere near where your Cher knowledge is. No one is. Well, I'm saying your Cher knowledge to my... That was creepy. I'm sorry. I thought you were about to say your Lucy knowledge was nowhere near my Lucy knowledge. And and you... I regret that creepy voice, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> so, because I will say, I remember watching Lucy with uh, mostly with my grandmother, uh, mm-hmm. and the pieces of episodes that stick out in my mind are few and far between. Um, like when she gets stuck in the um, curtsy position <laughs> when she's practicing. Oh, when they're in England, yeah. yeah. Um, or the grape stomping, isn't that one? Or. Mm-hmm. When it's the same, it's the same set of episodes when they are on their on Ricky's European tour. Oh, yeah. They're in Italy for the great. Um, and when she tells Ricky she's pregnant when he's singing, that's a magic moment. Oh, that was a good moment. Um, so yeah, so and I know a brand new t- baby in our house is what he was singing. Yeah, I so I know that. I swear to God, things are happening. Um. That you, Lucy, started a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, I think with your grandmother as well. Yeah, it, it was actually my first memory uh, in life was my grandmother. My mother was a teacher, and, so, and my grandmother lived across the street. So we would go to my grandmother's house every morning before school, and then my mom would leave me there, and she would go to school um, before I was in school and she would babysit me all day and I would lay down for a nap and then I'd wake up at noon and watch an episode of I Love Lucy. And really my first memory around late two year old, early three year old was waking up to watch I Love Lucy with my grandmother. So 
But um, so what is it? The grandmother member like connection? That's why you I, hold so tight. I don't know because you know. I mean, I'm you know LGBTQ community growing yeah. up. Uh, there was times when I was want for friends and didn't have that kind of connection with friends that a lot of, a lot of other people did. And so when I was in junior high, that was sort of also where I would go back to just because I would do that every day. And, you know, you know how you're, you're raised with something and Mm -hmm. you just think it's normal until you get out in the world and you realize, Oh, that was just me. Hmm. Uh, I just assumed that I was supposed to love Lucy because my grandmother did. Yeah. And that, and so like that, that sort of easy carefree, time when I was staying with my grandmother, I would return to that when need to. And I still do it to this day. Um, the, like the week of the 2016 election, Ethan and I watched a lot of all of Lucy because it was escapism. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've always just kind of returned to that space. But when I was, um, when I was 11 or 12, my mother bought me for Christmas, uh, this VHS set of, um, I mean, it was, maybe it was a little older. I was a little younger than that because of VHSs. Um, but it was like, it was a documentary called The Funny World of Lucy, Volume 1, Volume 2. And then it had some episodes of The Lucy Show, which was a show she did after I Love Lucy. And that really started getting me obsessed of, obsessed with the woman more than the show. Because don't get me wrong, the show is perfection. It is wonderful. But my obsession goes much deeper right. than just I Love Lucy. No, absolutely. But. I do think it's funny because um, those weird, like, stuff that starts in childhood is always really intriguing. Because mm-hmm. usually, I think, and maybe it speaks to our personality types in general, that you find something that you just kind of hold on to mm-hmm. and you never let go of, like, and you grow up and it's still there. It never leaves, um, like yours with Lucy. Like, you never outgrew it. You just always. Right. St- it was a became a fixture of your personality because well, something- and I have to I have to stop myself because um, I, I am a lover of books, which is a whole different obsession with a whole for a whole different podcast. But when I go into a, a bookstore, like a used bookstore, and there's a lot of them here in LA, there's Lucy books. But I have to remember I own <laughs> Love Lucy by Lucille Ball, and I also own a book called Desi Lou, and I mm-hmm. also own. Um, <laughs> It's called a book is what it's called by Desi Arnaz. It's his autobiography. And I just think that's so like, Excellent. I mean, that's just sort of like a drop the Excellent. mic. You get nothing more. It's a book. Here it is. Uh, but I, but I really already own so many books and I really already know everything that I could possibly want to know. And so when I go and I see another Lucy book, I'm like, I don't need this. Right. You know, but so I'm like, I don't need another no, Lucy book and I don't trust this. I probably already know everything in here already. Anyway, I find that my, my so, dad who doesn't have his obsessions, but he, he like lives through music and we saw it one time mm-hmm. and it was like the unofficial story of Bon Scott, who was the original singer of ACDC. And it was like, Oh wow. Used. It was not, it was like $2 and he's like, I don't even know if I should buy it. Cause I don't know if it'll actually tell me anything. I don't know. <laughs> It becomes one of those things where it's like, well, I know everything, but it's got your face on it, so I feel compelled to own it. Right, exactly. And then ended up with a thousand posters in my home. And every time I buy a new one, my mom's like, Where are you gonna put this now? And I'm like, I don't know, but I need it. It's got this 
But it's so interesting because your aesthetic in your home, the longer, the more I see what you're buying and the more that I see what you're, you, you're putting up on your walls, your aesthetic is coming to life. And my I really love that. Is, and I'm still working on that. My aesthetic is a hybrid of 1960s and 1970s vintage and goth macabre. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's the thing. My bookshelf, to look at my bookshelf, there's a lot of politics, a lot of history, and a lot of artist memoirs. Um, mostly actors, but there are some musicians too. Like I have Shania Twain's memoir. I have Carol King's memoir. I have Dolly Parton, Reba McIntyre's memoirs. But I also have a lot of the actors that inspire me or who've just interested me over mm-hmm. the years. So, yeah, I mean... Eventually, it'll all come together and make sense. But as of right now, I don't. But I will say this with about Lucy. I love a lot of things that people don't love about her as well. Like she was a boss bitch. She really was. And and people, there's a big divide on the internet about Lucy's Mame. Do you know the story of Mame? I know. <sighs> Kind of. I don't know a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, basically, it was this um, sort of a little bit avant-garde writer named Patrick Dennis Mm -hmm. in the 50s and 60s. He wrote a book called uh, Anti-Mame at some point in his career, and that book was turned into a play called Anti-Mame. And then the play was turned into a movie starring Rosalind Russell, and it was a straight play. And then the play was turned into a musical on stage starring Angela Lansbury, mm-hmm. just called Mame. And then um, when Warner Brothers in 1972, I think, or 74, I think it might have been 74, um, they wanted to turn the Angela Lansbury version of Mame into a movie, but they were like, we want a big blockbuster name. And Angela Lansbury was not the Angela Lansbury that we know today, the big blockbuster name. She was pretty, you know, she was pretty known, but she wasn't that known, you know, as known as Lucy back then. What and they wanted Lucy to do it. The 70s, right? What's that? We're looking at the, in the 70s, right? Yeah, 74, which... Okay. And that's the thing. 74 was sort of at a time when they people were, you know, we were just coming off the Vietnam War and all in the family was on television. These big, huge blockbuster musicals like The Music Man or, you know, something like that, the extravaganza, they just weren't a thing at that time. Mm-hmm. They weren't, they were done. That that era was over, but they wanted to do it anyway. And so the Lucy version was not super successful. Um, and Lucy can't, Lucy cannot sing like Angela Lansbury. That's just how it is, especially not in 1974. Um, how old would she have been about that time? She was, I know she was 60 when she was 60 or 61 when she was recording it. Okay. Um, by the time it came out, she was like 63. Um, but yeah, people kind of eviscerated Lucy because, um, because she, her voice was just not Angela Lansbury voice. And also, um, what was his name? John Sachs. Um, I think it was John Sachs who was married to B. Arthur was the, was the person who's producing it Mm. and B. Arthur was actually in it. And so it was a whole thing that it was just like this is everybody was returning except for Angela Lansbury. And even Lucy broke her leg before starting filming while she was skiing. And people were like, 
well, then just give it to Angela Lansbury. And Lucy was afraid she was going to lose her, lose the spot, but she didn't. But I actually really loved the Lucy version of Mame. I, maybe it's a little bit biased because I just love Lucy that much, but I think she did a phenomenal job. I mean, so. it, you have to, it is, you have to look at it for what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of get, I feel that same way a little bit about Faithful, the the bad share movie by <laughs> what is considered the bad movie by Chad mm-hmm. based on a play because you love it for what it is. You may be biased because your favorite person's in it, um, but it's still, there's still going to be good qualities. I mean, you're not saying mm-hmm. that loose, I mean, cause it'd be a little ridiculous if you're like, well, she's a better singer than Angela Lansbury. I mean, let's be real. I mean, we'd be like, Kyle, you're crazy. Like, right. Exactly. She's not. Cause Angela Lansbury is like Julie Andrews. That was her thing. <laughs> I love Julie Andrews too. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's just a lot of people who love to blame the failure of Mame the movie totally. specifically on the fact that it was Lucy versus Angela Lansbury. And I'm like, no, that's not that's not the sole purpose. And I don't even know. I mean, I don't know that the movie would have done any better having Angela Lansbury in it. Because, like I said, we were fresh off the Vietnam War. We were in a very different place in our lives at that point. Nixon. We were, we were in the midst of Nixon resigning from office. We had just gotten off the war. The 70s were uncertain. People were lining up for days to get gas because there was a gasoline shortage. And it's like. There was a, that it just wasn't the market for this kind of a movie and no matter who you put in it. Well, and if, especially, that's what I was going to say next is the market, especially for music and advertising and, you know, television happening and film, that's, that is very dated. And when you think about stuff like the music man or Carousel mm-hmm. or MAME, you think about the fifties, like yeah. 60s. That'd be like if they tried to recreate a star is born, the Judy Garland version word for word, style for style today, it would have not been successful. Like, right. And that's, change. you know, that's, that, that does, that is what I, I think of when I think of Mame is sort of that era. So, and that's when he wrote the book. And that's sort of when the movie was created, like it, it all fit until we got to Lucy's Mame. Mm-hmm. So, and I would be interested to see if they would do like a live version of that on TV at some point, I doubt they would just because it doesn't seem like MAME is as much on anybody's radar as like the sound of music or even Rocky horror picture show or something like that. That's on people's radar. Modernize it and do it on television again. I'm quitting life. (laughs) You cannot take another Rocky horror remake. I know. (laughs) Oh, I won third place in the Rocky horror trivia on Monday night. Completely. Did you? Yes, I did, and I technically was in fourth, but the ca- but the staff of the um, bar was playing, and they don't get a prize, so I got bumped to third. What was the prize that you got? I got a 2015 edition of the Audience Participation Guide, which has um, the entire film script in it and Shock Treatment, the unofficial sequel in it, and I got a car decal that says, Even Smiling Makes My Face Ache, which I felt like was really appropriate. Um, That's really cool. I know. The the two prizes above it were much better, and I was very mad. I missed three questions. Alex was my scribe and moral support because they haven't seen the movie in 10 years. Um mm. But it was still a lot of fun. So I've now discovered that I like playing trivia. That's my new hobby. What I've been were gone- the questions you missed? <sighs> so agitated by this. <laughs> so the <laughs> first one, I feel like, and this is not because I'm biased and I missed this question. I do feel like it was a little bit of a trick question. It said, what was true or false was the working title of a Rocky Horror Picture show that came from Denton High? 
Denton High. And Denton High, Denton is the set or the, where the town that the show takes place in. Technically, mm-hmm. that is true. The working title of the Rocky Horror Show from which the film is based on was They Came From Denton High. I said it's false because in my mind, no, the film was not ha- did not have a working title. It had a title. Um, I uh, that does make sense. Um, the second one I missed was... Um, what and again this question was worded very very peculiarly difficultly um it was <laughs> i can't say peculiarly there you peculiar, go it's a weird word it's a peculiar word it's a peculiar word um was what body part is according to an early song sung by brad and janet what body part is light not found in what was it i the i because in the lead up to there's a light, there is a line that says something about the light in the not being in the eye. And what did you say? Mind, because I couldn't think of anything. Oh, um, gotcha. But again, I feel like that was more from the stage show, not the film, because I literally sang the entire song of There's a Light in My Head, and I could not figure out what he was asking. Hmm. Um, and I could, I should have guessed I, that was my original guess, but I was like, I'm going with mine. Cause I feel like there's some like airhead joke in here somewhere. Um, <laughs> and the right. third one I missed was a callback. And I was so mad. This one pissed me off a little bit only because that callback I had never heard before. Like it was familiar once he told me, but I was not, he's like, there are two acceptable answers. When, when Riff Raff says, You've arrived on a rather special night. What is the audience callback? Well, the audience mm. callback is either meatloaf night because of the joke that they kill and eat meatloaf later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Spoiler if you haven't seen this movie from 1975. Um, <laughs> the other answer is Tuesday night. I guessed Wednesday because in my heart, I felt like the answer was Wednesday, but I had never heard oh. that call. I'd never really heard that callback and I had never played trivia before either. Um, so I guess, and I, maybe this is universal or not that you get to, there are so many rounds and each round you get to, um, wager a certain amount of points for each question based on the question. If you think you're confident in the answer or not. Um, Mm -hmm. and the one about the true or false about Denton high, I wagered too many points and that's how I ended up in fourth place. Uh, well, now, you know, for sure. Yeah. Well, so, now, in case I'm ever on Jeopardy, I know the answer. Um, uh, and that, that's always frustrating for me because, like, if I were to do – I've done a Lucille Ball or an I Love Lucy trivia situation, and I, I'm like, I know everything. I'm good. And then they're like, what is Mrs. Trumbull's dog's name? And I'm like, fuck if I don't. Well, I'm not obsessed with Mrs. Trumbull. Okay. <laughs> that like I felt very <laughs> offended on some of those questions because I was like – some of them I knew like that. Like, I, I leaned down and said – the one I wish he didn't do is, is he said within a year, uh, or you know, what year did the movie come out? And it's 1975. And I really mm-hmm. wish he didn't give people the pass of saying 74, 76, because I want to know how many people knew the correct answer. Oh, <laughs> that was, my favorite part though was is the of the three teams that won. Um, none of us came dressed up, and the, the team of people dressed up didn't place it like place and i was like haha suckers but that's what <laughs> okay. happened you spend too much time on your outfit not enough time on what you actually I know, know. What I, was doing. I beat alex there and i sat in the car on the wikipedia on the um imdb page and i was like what's the director's <laughs> name what year did shock treatment come out i might need to know this later i'm gonna study right. <laughs> that's true and well is there any questions what's that? 
No, those questions oh. were asked. But Jim oh, Sharp yeah. directed but it. You're ready. You're I'm, ready. Um, is there anything else you would like to ask me about Lucy? Um, do you think she was a likable person in private life? I think she was. Okay, this is going to get real deep real quick. Because I'm very curious about that. That's one thing I've always wanted to know. <laughs> I do believe she was a likable person in her core. I believe that life circumstances led her to be a little bit rigid towards the end of her life. Because I believe that she was just a happy-go-lucky person uh, in a sense when she was a contract actor at the at RKO and when she was making movies up into the run-up of I Love Lucy. But that being said, um, she was desperate to make her marriage work. Mm-hmm. For 10 years, she was married to, to Desi in the 40s, and he was on the road with his band. And, I mean, it's, it's common knowledge at this point. He was a cheater. Mm-hmm. He cheated on her all the time. It bothered her. She wanted him to be home so they could start a family because she was in her 30s at that point. Mm-hmm. She turned 30 in 1941. And... So she wanted him to be home, and by the end of the 40s, she was um, doing My Favorite Husband, which is the radio show that Isle of Lucy is sort of based on, and she they filed for divorce. They were they were in divorce court, but they the night before everything was finalized, they met and reconciled, and they vowed to give it one mm-hmm. more shot. And so she, and at, simultaneously, Isle of Lucy, or CBS, was wanting to turn My Favorite Husband into a, a television show. And she was like, I want to do it with Desi Mm. because that was her like broad idea. She's like, if I can get him a job on a TV show, he can stay at home and we can start a family and he won't cheat on me because he'll be home and he'll, you know, have his nookie where he Mm. gets it. Um, But they were like, no, absolutely not. So in, in the desperation to convince them, they started a vaudeville type show and went uh, went on tour around the country to prove so they could show the receipts that we sold out show after show after show all over America. People now know who we are. They will watch a show with us because they know for sure we are married in real life because they were just like, no, this is an interracial couple. Nobody's going to watch this. Mm-hmm. Television is new. People are not going to turn this box on for an interracial couple. That's mm-hmm. stupid. Um, and they proved it. But then going forward, they had to wait. They had to pay for the show with their own money. They mortgaged everything they had. They used every penny they had on the bet that it would work. Um, and it worked. But in that doing, they wound up making, because they own, their only catch was they owned Isle of Lucy mm-hmm. outright. They owned it themselves once it was made. And CBS wound up buying it from them and making tons of mm-hmm. money for them. And they kind of kept going. They, they started a production company called Desi Lou to produce the show, but it became so successful that they started producing other shows and they wound up buying RKO studios where Lucy was a bit player. And so was Desi where they met on a movie set at RKO and then they owned it and turned it into the Desi Lou studios. And so all of this success kept coming their way. And then at the end of it all, Desi was still a mm-hmm. cheater. And the the success of everything they were doing, producing other television shows, was putting such a strain on their marriage that they wound up divorcing in 1960 anyway. Yeah. And then after this, after the 50s were over, CBS was struggling, and so was Desi Lou. And they came, and they, and Desi was like, "I've got an idea. I'll I'll 
option another pilot starring Lucy, and that'll save CBS, and that'll save Desi Lou because Lucy is a safe bet at this point after all of Lucy. And Lucy agreed to do it, but thirteen or the eighth episode of the Lucy show, Desi wound up selling his share of shares of Desi Lou after even after the divorce. They were still mm-hmm. friendly. They were still business like. He was like, "Come to the show." She goes, "I'll do it one season, but I'll only do it if Viv does it with me, Ethel." And eight episodes in, Desi's like, "I'm out." And Lucy started this new show, and it's really going well. And so she buys him out and becomes the first female. Um, person, first female to run a television mm-hmm. studio. And so it just kind of kept, Lucy kept stumbling up the mountain to the point where she is the most successful woman in Hollywood at that time by mm-hmm. accident because she was just trying to make her life right. And I feel like that was a lot of pressure on her. And she kept the studio all the way till the end of her second show, which ran for six seasons. And then she sold it to CBS. And I just, I felt like by that point, she had created a legacy for herself that she had pressure to uphold. Mm-hmm. And she didn't mean to be a hard driven businesswoman, but she had to. It was either be a hard driven businesswoman or mm-hmm. fail. And it was kind of placed upon her that you need to, you, you have to succeed because who wants to fail? You know, it's like, I'm, you don't choose to fail. So, and she did it. She was successful, you know? So that's what I think. I think by the time she had sold Desilu, she had already kind of solidified who she was, this powerhouse in the industry, which led to Warner brothers being like, no, Lucy's the only person who can do MAME. It's like, well, if that's what you feel, that's a lot of pressure on me. You know, it's so I, I feel like by the time she had spent so many decades, ball busting with the men because that's the only way she could knock down the doors to get it done. She didn't know how to be otherwise. And so I I think she was pretty complicated in her older age in the late sixties, early seventies, all the way to the end of her life in 89. Mm -hmm. She was sort of, you know, a, you know, a ballsy chick. I think, I mean, you're talking about a lot of, you know, having to just make your way and how the, you know, trying to be a celebrity act as also that's a married couple it's very like i see a lot of similarities between her and Cher in a lot of ways with that having to just say screw it gonna Mm -hmm. do myself then um and i think having to be an alpha female one you get a lot of crap to make things you know for being a hard ass or you know women are aggressive they're not assertive well you know so they get this right exactly but i think a lot of the most successful women in Hollywood in any aspect like I mean people like even going down to I was just watching Anna Wintour on James Corden's show like people think she's a giant major bitch but she has to be to get people to get universal respect to be you know to be heard you gotta Mm -hmm. be an asshole um that's why I said in her private life did you think she was a nice person because I feel like sometimes people because they have to be on so much to get the job done it almost spills over and becomes hard to even have interpersonal relationships. I I think her circle was very small after the dust settled of selling Desi Lou and and you know in her 50s and 60s in Hollywood and being this icon. I think her circle was probably pretty small because she was very very close friends with a lot of 
influential people. I mean, didn't you tell me she was friends with Cher at one one point? She was on TV specials in 1974. And I think she also is a cameo in the Broadway Cher show. Supposedly, they had a conversation when Cher was leaving Sunny because it sounded very familiar to Lucy leaving Desi. Right, you 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 attach your hopes and dreams to this man, and he leaves you sit, holding the big, huge, heavy bucket, and you're like, "Well, what am I going to do with it?" Leaves you with the you know holding the baby, and goes and frolics with the women, and you got to shit right. Um, and yeah, well, and that's the thing because like Lucy just became very good at what she does too. Right. And so, like, when she's friends with Carol Barnett, Lucy can see what you know, like Carol Barnett having a conversation. She can be like, "Don't do that. That's not going to work for you." been there done that you know she was it was very assertive to help her friends you know it's like don't don't waste time doing that she was she had a very abrasive way of helping her friends in a lot of ways too from what i've read and but i do believe that she had a very close-knit circle because you don't know who to trust but those people who's in the inner sanctum they got to see the best of lucy and i do believe that that best of lucy that carefree spirit that was always there was still there but the world didn't really get to see it a lot after, right. you know, after in the 60s, 70s, and 80s because she well, was power. She was the epitome of woman and I think power. As fans of pop culture like we are, I mean, I think you and I are able to easier divulge the character from reality, but I think a lot of people sometimes can't. So they, if, if your dream was to meet Lucille Ball and then, but you see her as who she is and I love Lucy. And then she's not that person in real mm-hmm. life. You're like, well, who the hell's this? It's like, no, we were. That's right. a character that may be an aspect of my personality, but it's not the whole truth, you know. Um, Would you want to meet Cher? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I know people say don't meet your don't meet your heroes, and there's a lot of people. I'm just like. You're, I don't want to change what I have for them. Like a person, which this is a whole different conversation, but a whole different RuPaul, podcast. I don't have any interest in I meeting RuPaul, I'd even though. Disappointed if I what's met. That? I'd be disappointed if I met RuPaul. I just know I would. I think I would be disappointed if I met RuPaul too. I, don't, I, I think there's a high chance that if I had met Lucy with the obsession of Lucy that I have today, I think there's a very high chance I could have been disappointed. I, but, I'll say this. I am not the person that's going to walk up to somebody on the street and be like, hi, are you Cher? Like, I'm, that's not me. I mean, you know me. I probably mm-hmm. would do a high-pitched squeal and then start crying. <laughs> and right. I will say this. I know from what I've read and from what I've seen, everyone says she is a very nice person and is very, like, willing, you know, to be, you know, someone to say, oh, my God, I really appreciate what you've done for me or what, you know, like that. But I'm not the, I'm not also right. the person that is going to interrupt somebody's dinner. So I would never, if I, mm-hmm. if we were hanging out and when I came to visit in somewhere and she was in the restaurant, I'd be like, oh, my God. And then I'd be done. I would be fine. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go and be like, well, you got spinach in your teeth. Oh, my God, I love you. Like, that person right. so i can see how if you are that person your your heroes are probably going to disappoint you a little bit if you like yeah, and, and like <laughs> you're gonna like and that's the way lucy was and i I'm, i would be willing to bet that that's the way Cher is too lucy was very time mm-hmm. and place because 
you don't do that. Like I, my time is my time. And she had even thought about walking away from the entire industry after her divorce with Desi. I read in her own memoir that was found in her files after she like her daughter, Lucy Arnez found this finished memoir in her files in 1994, six years after she had died or five years after she had died. And they published it posthumously. And she had written in there, I just, I thought about moving to Switzerland, taking the kids and being done with it all because we were like, we had to fight so hard to get everyone to believe that we were married. And by the end of the fifties, that's all people wanted to believe in that we were happy and that we were together forever. And that wasn't the truth. And I couldn't take the world's disappointment. And so there's just so many layers on upon what makes her such a nuanced person that I don't think the world at large could say, yeah, she's, she's a nice friendly mm-hmm. lady. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I try to have that kind of understanding with everyone. I think I have it a little more for Lucy than I do people at work who are <laughs> rude to me. So I'm like, well, you don't have anything going on. It doesn't cost any extra to be a nice person. Right. Whereas I know Lucy's entire story and it is complete. And I can be like, she yeah. really struggled. I mean, so I just, you know. I think I do agree that there's, a, there are several people I admire that I feel like if I met you in person, I don't, uh, you don't strike me as a likable human being. The one thing I will say, and I haven't told you this part because I'm still slightly embarrassed about my <laughs> well, don't worry. There is a part two to this episode that will come at some point in life. <laughs> Six years. But please do tell me this embarrassment. <laughs> so I discovered um, Cher's best friend of like almost 50 years is on Instagram. <laughs> and I think this is, oh and she'll post video, like she goes on tour with her. Like she's the, like, she goes and spends half the tour at the shows and back, you know, and so she'll post videos a lot, like with Snapchat filters and it just makes somebody seem very human that could be Mm -hmm. very one dimensional. And so I feel like that's the other reason I'd like, I feel like I would be okay if I like, if I passed somebody the street and I was like, I just need to tell you that you've made a huge impact on my life. Please. I I just, I just want to say that and then walk away. Like, I feel like it'd be a lot easier, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's really, I, her name is Paulette Howell. Um, she's like married to a producer of like, Oh, she can't receive. She married to a producer like a South Park. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> and so, um, and I love discovering her life as well on Instagram because she seems to have a very fascinating life. It's one thing I like about the internet age. People think we're on the internet too much, but you get to see sides of people you never get to see. You, there's maybe realism, but there's also like legitimate stuff like that's really funny. Well, like you said, that was how you and I, you and I have a catchphrase. Whenever we're trying to figure something out, we always say, oh, I have a phone. Don't worry. I have a phone. Because when we were living together for a year, were we trying to, that was one of those. Were we trying to, I don't even remember what we were talking we about. We were trying to think, figure out something. It's like, wait a second. There's this whole computer in my head. We were racking our brains. And that was like when you and I both had our first smartphones. Oh, my God. We're so and old now. I was can you believe we were living together when we bought our first smartphone like nine years ago oh my god yeah it really was i'm gonna be 30 next year oh no 
Um, girl, I'm already past 30. I'm 32. I'll be 33 in April, which is very hard for me to believe, but it is true. And don't worry, you are going to love your 30s. You're over halfway to your 60s. We're going to have gray hairs and need bifocals. Are you trying to just murder me right here? It's okay. Women live longer than men, so I'll still outlive you. (laughs) Well, the funny people live the longest. And the assholes live even longer. They really do. They're so ornery. They won't die. It's going to be uh, <laughs> with my mush diet. <laughs> my, my <laughs> I bet you ain't got no teeth, but she'll chew you a new one if you go near her. <laughs> Emotionally disappointed. Anyway. <laughs> but, yes, we, we do. We have that access to these people. And, um <laughs> I love it. I love that you know exactly who Cher's best friend is, and you are low-key going to be stalking her next week just in case she's in town. Oh, because I'm going to be in California next Shit. I Yeah, you're coming to see me next week. There may be another episode. I don't know. Um, do a live stream of us driving to Disneyland. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's going to be a, at least a fa- – I've got to get my social media game better because I'm just not very good and I'm trying to... I don't know to... what you're doing. This is for the young kids. Uh, us young I know. I am so old. and But the necessary evils of being valid or effective and, you well, know... Let's see if this one makes the air and then we'll discuss the next one. <laughs> I'm not editing anything. This is where we're going to end. So you have 30 seconds to give people your Twitter handle so they can follow you being obsessed with Cher. I can't because someone told me that they, she already came to Nashville this year, which means I missed it because they never advertise anything in Huntsville because Nashville sucks balls. So maybe Cher should come to Atlanta instead or even Birmingham. Or you know what? Just come to fucking Huntsville. We're pretty cool. We have great food and great ambiance. So, Cher, if you're listening, which I'm pretty sure you are not. <laughs> I'm certain Cher does not listen to this show. She might. I don't know. What kind of handles do you put on it to get it to come up on iTunes? Well, it's going to have Cher right now on the, the handle. <laughs> oh, my God. The absurdity that you think Cher listens to this show. She's on tour in Europe. She's got to do something with her downtime. Actually, I do have a lot of listeners in in Germany. <laughs> so, Why? What, what I don't know, get? but if Cher's in Germany, listen, if you're listening to this and you meet Cher on her tour, give her the link to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I've got nine minutes till the mass Singer comes on. Dr. So Kim in essence, John- you're not going to give your Twitter handle because of everything you just said? Yes. Um, I'm not okay. because if you... If you follow Cher and you creep through her mentions enough, you might find me on your own. Okay. Kyle's mother. (laughs) That being said, again, my mother does not follow Cher on Twitter. My mother does not have a Twitter. Um, You might after it. Perhaps. But anyway, we're late now. We're late. We're at an hour and 26 minutes. You Um, have to edit which is I'm all not editing. I refuse to edit. I, I'm sick. I've got to go drink more throat coat. Um, <laughs> that's the tea I have to drink. Anyway, that being said, 
I am Kyle Leon Henderson. You can follow me on Instagram at Kyle L. Henderson or on Twitter at Kyle L. Henderson. And be sure to rate and subscribe to this on the Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get podcasts. That's not true. It's not on all the other podcast platforms. Just do it on Apple or go to KyleLeonHenderson.com. And until the next episode, I will talk to you soon. Bye. And if you want to follow me, just follow Kyle and he'll figure it out. (laughs) I literally already said goodbye. (laughs) But now you have to edit it. (laughs) 